Welcome, everyone. It's the X Factor Files podcast. I'm Daryl. I'm Philip. We are here, and we're going to discuss an issue, of course. Um, it's been a very Marvel weekend for us so far. Yes. We played Marvel Legendary for the first time in a couple months. It seems like ages. And we played it on the floor, which we could not do with the Bun Buns, because Nick would come over and be like, hello. Yes. Is that food? Yes. I'd like to eat that. Yes, they were not available for this podcast episode or our legendary game. <laughs> so um, it was have, a lot of fun. We won. Yeah, which for a while there was not happening. No, it was getting pretty close. So if you all play Marvel Legendary, let us know because we have quite a few of the expansions. It seems to be our go-to game when we just don't want to think about anything else. Like... It's so embedded. We have the skills for that game. Um, for anyone who's not familiar, it's a card game. It's a deck builder, a little bit like Dominion and all of its million expansions. Yes. Um, and I appreciate that you just buy the expansions and you know what cards you're going to get. Uh, so that's different from like Pokemon and things like that, where you're just buying a booster pack and hope you get something good. So Right. I mean, we have our favorites. Human Torch, Iceman... Um... Gambit sometimes. Yeah, if there's a couple other ex-heroes, Gambits feel good. Yeah. Colossus is fun. Yeah, the Messiah Complex expansion was really good as it pertains to this podcast. Yes. Because it was a bunch of X-Factor investigations folks. So now that we have cards for Richter and Siren and Shatterstar and Strong Guy. Multiple Man. Multiple Man. So... Who also made an appearance in Ultimate Alliance 2. Yes. He was one of, he's one of the few characters that looks decent, although, to be fair, we saw him from a distance, mm. either punching Venom in the face or getting punched by Venom in the face. And there was, there was no power activation. Yeah. So that's what we've been doing in our free time, uh, aside from gardening and getting uh, the gigantic garden prepped for hopefully less weeds this year. Yeah, we put fabric all around the raised beds, and it was one of those things when you go to start it and you're like, holy buckets, this is such a huge project. How are we ever going to start it? How are we ever going to like get it done? Or even just find a good way of doing it? But we did. We did long stretches and then filled in the gaps. And before we knew it, we were halfway done. And Yeah, we used over 200 garden staples. So yes. <laughs> if that gives everyone an idea of the amount of fabric and the amount of space that we dealt with yesterday. And we still need to plant the last of the tomatoes, peppers, ground cherries. Yeah. And the pollinators. Yes. We'll do that at some point today. Yeah. All right, so uh, there was another thing that came up that I surprised you with that I found on eBay between two different sellers. Yeah. the We now have a complete run of X-Factor Investigations in comic book form. Which is super helpful because there's things in here, A, that are mini time capsule pieces. Um, yeah, the ads, things like that. Oh, and there's something else that was really cool about it besides just the tactile experience of turning pages and everything we have covers the the next three issues have interconnected covers that was it yes and i didn't realize it until i had those three pulled out and i looked at them and i'm like wait a minute they all have a similar color motif and i just laid them one next to another and it forms one big triptych of the entire team which is a fun word to say and it's super cool because it has each character looking awesome in an action pose. Mm -hmm. And it's got the ominous villains in the background. I still don't really know what's up with this watery-looking dragon thing that's happening. It might be, as we found out today, a connection to Wales, and they have a dragon on their flag. So oh, yeah. that's the only thing I can come up with for how it's connected. Yeah, maybe. But it was still super fun. Yeah. And it's nice that they actually had three issues in a row where they could do that that it wasn't part of some greater event yeah. happening in the marvel universe so uh, this is obviously a three issue arc then yeah we know it is just based on the covers so it seems like we're going to dig into some storyline stuff 
But first we have the pop culture pop-up for October of 2006. That's when this issue, issue 10, came out. So we're in the fall of 2006. Speaking of Ultimate Alliance, the first Ultimate Alliance came out this month. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, so following the success of X-Men Legends 1 and 2... Such good games. Such good games. They axed Legends 3, I think. Like, I think it was in early developmental stages. If people are really interested in this, go to the Power of X-Men podcast, because Dayspring actually interviewed the producer of those games, and there are so many interesting tidbits about the video games in those episodes. But um, Marvel pivoted. They wanted something that was big and encompassing of their entire universe. So that's when we got Ultimate Alliance. Same game mechanics. Yes. Health vials, energy vials. Yep. Running around. Unfortunately, you don't get Namor as a playable character, although that will be fun. And the unfortunate part, at least from an X-Dan's point of view, is that you don't get as many X-Men playable characters. Yeah, and... I think they probably backed off of that so it wouldn't just be seen as X-Men Legends 3 masquerading as a Marvel-wide title. But you do still get Iceman, which is what counts. Yeah, and I swear I used to have downloadable content for that game, and it's not anywhere to be found. And it's not available. Apparently they offered it on the Xbox Store as a downloadable with like all the extras a few years ago, and then they lost the license. So, uh, there's no way for people to get the DLC for that game anymore. Which is disappointing because I like having a bunch of characters to choose from. Yes. Also that month, Grey's Anatomy has just a chokehold on the TV ratings. Just, Grey's was so huge. Everyone loved it. Everyone was all about it. It's such an emo show. Like, they had that... Is it because it's in Seattle? (laughs) Well, yeah, it's always Grey. And... They had all of, like, the songs that you would hear on easy listening radio, like the current songs, like How to Save a Life, and all those songs were... Uh, I believe you're talking about Alternative. Yeah. There's also Snow Patrol, and... It was... And they did a good job of uh, weaving those into the episodes. Yeah. And this was the beginning of Shonda just being a creative genius. Shonda Rhimes. Yes. Now she has Shondaland. She brought Shondaland to Netflix, so... Oh, that's right, because Bridgerton is a part of that. Yeah. Shonda Rhimes. Good for her. That's Good amazing. For, yes, it is. Um, yeah, I, I won't cover other shows of hers, just in case they come up. You know, I did watch that one episode of How to Get Away with Murder before I gave up on it, so... <laughs> The song charting this month that I've chosen is Moneymaker by Ludacris featuring Pharrell. It's all about shaking your moneymaker. Is it? Yes, it is. I I know all the lyrics to the song. Oh, I think I missed that boat. Well, uh, make sure to check out our Instagram story on Tuesday (laughs) where you'll catch a little snippet of it. I'll probably recognize it from whatever college dance parties we were going to um, although i think this is when they changed rainbow rage into queer prom right so it stopped being as exciting mm-hmm. we have a birthday that's being celebrated this month it's sean william scott oh turning 30 where did he go where did he go he was such a hunk he was yeah major crush material and i don't know what happened to him We'll have to look it up after we record. Yes. He's definitely somewhere still. Yes. But not making movies, as far as I know. Which is disappointing, because I feel he was real funny. He was, but I can also see it being sort of one note, and then, like, you get typecast into one thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because he is Stifler. And that's very... uh, There's not depth to that role. Right. Reese Witherspoon and Ryan Phillippe divorced all the way back in 2006. Oh. That was a long time ago. Yeah. If you think about it. I can't remember the last time I had them together as a couple. Oh. So it must have sunk in that that happened. Yeah. He's still sort of hot. 
I have not seen a picture of him recently. Oh, we'll do that in a Google search as well. <laughs> um, we'll and, have to take, make a list for all the things for the Instagram stories. I know. And the last bit of news, rumors were circulating this month that Scarlett Johansson had signed her first record deal. What? Yeah, the Black Widow herself actually released a record. Who knew? Who wants it? <laughs> if you've listened to Scarlett Johansson's record and enjoyed it, please send us a message. Because I've seen it on Apple Music. I just don't care to go there. We need we need some reviews from real people. Yeah. Very odd. Like, out of anyone from the Marvel Universe, the MCU, that you could say, which one of these people recorded a record in 2006? I would not have guessed her. I mean, and you can't even be like, oh, it's like RuPaul's Drag Race, where they all release a record after their season. Yeah. Where you would win, no matter who you chose. I would have pegged probably, it would have been random for me, it would have been Robert Downey Jr. I was thinking Robert Downey Jr. Because this was still a couple years before Iron Man came out, so... He's probably trying to do something with his career. Could you see him doing one of those like spoken word type things like oh, William Shatner? Yes. Yeah, he wouldn't actually sing. That, oh. Or I like transported to a whole mental image of a Or like a album. weird Chris Hemsworth country album, like Australian country, like Outback Country. That could have been something. That would be fun. Alright, so we are going to dive in to Issue 10. So do you want to give us the previously on that is given to us on the first page of this actual comic that we can read now? I continue to enjoy these things quite a lot. So, with his back against the wall, Jamie Madrox was actually forced to do the one thing he despises more than anything. Take a stand. But he did so with style as he and X-Factor confronted the X-Men over the cover-up of the truth about M-Day. Furthermore, he decided that the team would be officially opposed to the Superhero Registration Act. All things considered, it was a busy day. Now, the following morning, the reality of the isolationist stance Jamie has taken is about to sink in. Meanwhile, Singularity Investigations is up to who knows what. Which is a hyphenate, which is a super fun phrase. Oh, oh and Peter David's daughter Ariel was awarded a huge honkin' trophy by the local junior bowling organization for her accomplishments this year. It's about as tall as her kid's sister. So we still need to find Ariel David and interviewed her. Especially about her, like, bowling career here as a child. Like, she's a child bowling star. It's fun. Like, I love the personal asides. Yeah. Like, way to give a shout out to your kids and, like, being a proud parent. Yeah. All we have is... The Bun Buns are fairly good about their litter box skills. Yeah, well, that's something for us. It's true. So this issue is opening up with a flashback quite a few years. The South of Wales in 1347. So it's basically a mob scene confronting this father and his son, saying, the plague, it's here because of your weird kid. Yeah, and... The dad is, like, applying all the logic and, like, snarky comments that one would hope yeah. to diffuse a situation of, like, how do you know that he's a spawn of the devil? I don't know that. How would I know that? And the townspeople are even like, we killed all the cats and the plague is still here. Therefore, with, it must be your changeling child. With a picture of rats in the foreground. And the rats are like, <laughs> It was just the fleas. Yes. Or as Frenchie put it. On in Greece, an amoeba on fleas on rats when she's trying to cover Sandy. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a deep cut. Yeah. I like that. Didi Khan, Didi Khan, what an icon! Yes, oh, oh, I love accidental puns. All right, so what <laughs> then the dad and son go back into their hut, yeah. A very flammable hut because they... The, the townspeople, people, like, did you just say the village people? <laughs> <laughs> the cop, the Native American. <laughs> okay, so... The construction worker. <laughs> they had their torches outside the hut. <laughs> so when we were in Boston and we passed the boats, like, every time we crossed a bridge, I just wanted there to be blasting the village people playing 
or singing in the Navy. Yeah. And it never happened, but it happened in my head. Anyway. So the village people toss the torches <laughs> at this flammable hut. It starts burning. And the the child summons his mutant power, because he's a mutant somehow, to blow some wind. Because you think, like, in small child logic, if you blow out a candle, the same logic should apply to a burning hut. Which yeah. Is, which is fair. Yeah. I mean, Solid I once, logic. I once put a Kleenex on an electric burner because I didn't believe it was hot. Hmm. Which is better than my hand. Hmm. But then I learned. And... The dad's like, don't, you'll light the whole village on fire, and we get a panel of the village on fire, and the kid is suddenly transported up to the cliff overlooking said burning village. And who's there? It's one of the trips. It's a trip. And he's being very cryptic. And he's also, like, transparent, because birds are flying through him. Yes, I was trying to figure out that panel. I'm like, it's got to be some sort of projection. Yeah, Um, like an astral projection? Or like the USS Pegasus and its phase cloak. Oh. But not really, because the kid can see him. Yes. And yeah, you just get these wings in the middle of his head. So um, the kid is like, who are you? And Chip is like, you'll understand. Eventually, I know I do. Did. Yeah. And it's suddenly like a back-in-time situation, because as the kid is looking down, he can see his dad and the mob all still there. Yeah, so the fire didn't happen? Or it did, and it's like a projection back? It's unclear. Yeah. Because we just end with, No, die. as cliche as this will sound, this is just the beginning. So my theory is that that is a young trip. He just keeps respawning himself yeah. throughout the years or something. Yeah. Because and we know that Trip Senior and Trip Junior are indeed the same person. We cut to current day Trip, who's snapped out of his reverie by his secretary giving a little update on the morning, and we find out that one of the scientists called in sick. He seems to be a fan of initials. The secretary is Mrs. D., and he has to call Mr. C. So what's the scientist's full name? Buchanan, comma, something. It's Dr. Buchanan. Doctor, yes. So, Henry, Dr. Henry Buchanan. Okay, so um, Buchanan, who never is ever out of the office, calls in sick. And obviously he must be important if his absence is noted in a report from the secretary. It's to not the just the CEO. Like, yeah. To the head honcho. Yeah. So obviously this doctor is involved with something high level. Yes. And we cut to the doctor's house. And I the first name I remembered was Alex, but that oh. is his wife. Yes. And she is very concerned. She knows that something is up. And she's getting the runaround from him. And he is a, he's being cryptic a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but he also says, uh, in the course of this conversation, put all the shit in the car, drive to your sister's, pay cash everywhere. Do like, not leave a, an electronic trail. Yes. And so it, he uh, it he wants to quit Singularity. Something's happening at Singularity. He's not down with it. He's ready to cut ties. But he remarks, you can't just resign. That's not a thing. Right. When she's like, just quit. And he's like, I can't. Yeah. Like, there's not, that is not a viable option. No, not at all. And what we get is, and if she can't go to the police. Yep, she's throwing out, go to the police, do something, and go, what about the government? And the last image of him is looking at a magazine, which turns out to be the Daily Bugle, but it's actually just the title page, which yeah. is well done. So, so the front page is covering uh, Madrox making his declaration. His press conference. Yes, his press conference during Civil War, what's happening. Um, and we get the title of this issue, which is X'd Out, Part 1. Probably of three, because we now know about the covers. Yes. And it's a very Madrox thing to say, X-Factor to government, drop dead. Yes. And Unpatriotic Mutant Team Protest Registration Act, which... 
I feel J. Jonah Jameson has approved that message. Oh, yeah. Went from something diplomatic to unpatriotic mutant team. Yep. So, that's fun. Mm-hmm. And we get a very hunky-looking Madrox getting out of bed. Yeah, and he is hungover. He, they celebrated life after that press conference. He's talking about, oh, the whole team stood by me. Even if they didn't agree with my decision, they're glad I made a stand. They said that they respected it. Yep. And he yeah, is... He's looking real good. Yes, he is. And he's... He I mean, has, why bother with a robe? Yeah. He doesn't have... Um, a bathroom attached to his bedroom, which is very egalitarian of him not to have, like, a master suite. It seems like a very vintage building. Yeah. With a communal bathroom, like, your room is just your room without a whole lot of frills. Yeah, because I think they transitioned this from, like, an office building as well. Yes. So they probably retrofitted bedrooms into old offices or something like that. Yes. Or offices into, yeah, whatever. (laughs) They can and, work. They can work and play at the same time, and, which it seems like Mad Rocks did because he knocks on the bathroom door and there's a dupe in there. I was about to say it's a very suave dupe. Yeah, he's got the whole like silken pajamas thing, and even Mad Rocks is like, "Where did you get that?" <laughs> and the dupe is like, "I have my resources." Yeah. <laughs> which is how would a dupe know how these resources? That did Damien just forget about his silk pajamas in some drawer someplace? I don't know. It's intriguing. But he is making all sorts of... The dupe, when I say he, mm-hmm. is making all these comments of like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> We had a great time last night. And I have a return engagement. And Maddox is like, har, har, you do. It's returning into me. Yes. And then when he sort of assimilates those memories of that dupe, he just says, oh, my god so here's the thing he before this dupe had the return engagement to go bang whoever because we don't know who no maybe he should have just followed the dupe to (laughs) where whatever room he is about to go into that would have solved a whole lot that we're about to get into in this issue and beyond what i mean but it's just faster to reabsorb him and know what had happened. But he doesn't. That's the problem ensuing after what we're about to describe and in future issues is that when you absorb, you can't sort out which memory came from a dupe and which one is prime because they're oh, all that one. question. Yes. Of like, who got the dupe? Who got the original? Yes. Were they both dupes? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. I see what you're doing. If he had been a bit patient because then Jamie Prime runs into uh, Teresa and uh, Terry has some very positive things to say. Her pajamas almost ma- her robe almost matches the pajamas. Yeah. That Mandbox is wearing. And I although I got to say the art in this book doesn't quite do the the Jamie scrunched up faces. Yeah. As well as previous issues had when like you just, There's something you just, cringy. You just felt the cringe inside yeah. looking at that art. And this one is just like, ooh. So what? Uh, she comes out. Yep. She says, hey there. And in the internal monologue text box, you get, I, I didn't. We couldn't. <laughs> and then he actually just says, Teresa. And they kiss. And she is into it. Like, as if he was Ewan McGregor. Mm-hmm. With his lightsaber. Yes. <laughs> that will never get old. <laughs> it won't. Um, and she's just raving about it. And his text is much smaller, so like, you can tell that he's having the, oh, mm. I'm still processing what happened. Yeah. Like, and he's trying to figure out, like, did the dupe sleep with Terry? Was I blackout drunk? Guess his previous... I mean, he was blackout drunk. Yes. As he's putting all this together. Because he bumped yeah. into a wall to create the... Yes. The, the dupe. amorous dupe. Yes. And so Terry walks away. Or into the bathroom, I mm-hmm. should say. And Jamie's still trying to figure things out in the hallway. And we get 
James, is that you? And it's M. Monet emerges, and she is very, very into him. There, there's no murmur like there was with Teresa, but there's a leg that's going up. Yeah. And, oh, it's just slightly yeah. cringy with the, I guess now I know why they call you multiple man. Yes. <laughs> oh. oh, but again, Monet was very into it. Terry was very into it. And now they're both swirling around the same bathroom. Yep. And Jamie's face as he walks away is... It's more blank. Mm-hmm. I was hoping for a little bit more cringe. And he's going downstairs. <laughs> Layla Miller passes him. And she's like, the bathroom's free down there. A dead man walking. Yes. <laughs> she knows what's going to happen. And then... Because she knows stuff. And then he's like, did we... Also creepy because she's like a tweener. Yeah. And, like, highly inappropriate. Yes. And she's like, no, of course not. Not until our wedding night. She's saving herself for their y- wedding night. Yes. And he just looks distressed. Yes. And that closes out, like, the bit of drama, the team drama in this issue. And I really like it. I I like that they're not just focusing on a mission every single issue, the entire issue. Oh. We should put a... Well, maybe not put a pin in that thought, but that will come up later. That it's a little bit more on the relationship side. Yes. Is it a bit soap opera-ish? Yeah. Yes. And I'm. But we're uh, here for it. Yes, I also enjoy watching Dallas and Dynasty. So, I mean, my wheelhouse. I went through a Days of Our Lives phase, most. I mean, also because of sick days growing up. Yes. And then in college, with as the world turns, because of the gay plotline, and I. What about passions? You skipped over passions. <laughs> How how could I? Yes. <laughs> over passions. Um, With Timmy. I mean, I did like the supernatural aspect of that. Yeah. That was fun. In addition to the hunks. Hmm. But then, I think the hunk from that went over to one of the other soaps. But I'm a sucker for gay romance plot lines. And so when they were like, Luke and Noah, they kissed. They're the first, like, soap opera gay kiss. Then yeah. you're like, yeah, I'm tuning into this. Yeah, I even read the reviews. Oh. So. You're deep into it. Anyway. Anyway. All right, so we're uh, cutting to Guido, just whistling, strolling along, and we have... A collision. A collision. Dr. Buchanan says, oof, as he runs into Strong Guy. He is, and he's running. Like, like it, it, with enough force to yeah. actually make Strong Guy stumble a little bit. Yes. And he's like, help me, they're after me. They're going to kill me. And Guido's like, what? <laughs> Who does? It's like, they do. And like, vaguely points at a car. And there's a rocket launcher coming out of a window. Yeah. <laughs> and it's fun. I mean, I do... One of the great things about X-Factor is the comedy threads. Like, in addition to the soap opera drama mm-hmm. previously. And now Strong Guy's like, oh yeah... Let him try to kill you yeah. with, he, with him there. And he's like, oh, I didn't want to see them try that much. <laughs> That's more effort. <laughs> and kaboom. And they hear it in headquarters, so they all rush out. Because something huge, like it's a huge explosion. Yes. And I still love the fact that people give Jamie shit for his Captain Obvious moments. Because mm-hmm. he says... Uh, Rain is saying, what the hell was that? And Maddox is like, an explosion. And she's like, oh, yeah, thank. <laughs> and they get out there and find Guido. Yes, and uh, Guido is, uh, like, his shirt is blasted off. He can't hear anything. Yep. Side note, there's an ad for some classic wrestler figures. Yes. And Shamrock is front and center because it's 2006. So Guido, looking much like a wrestler... Yeah, yeah, he's missing like, a whole lot of clothes, but Doctor Buchanan is safe. Yeah, they get him in Guido goes to get cleaned up, and they start to get some more exposition as to what's happening. Um, and especially interesting is the fact that this Doctor Buchanan works at SI. Yes, and they start to ask him about his work, and in a si- fun side little tidbit we find out that Layla has a very hard time knowing things about Guido yes she knows 
all sorts of other stuff. It's a blank spot for her. Yeah. It's always interesting when people with, like, vague precog-type abilities um, have these blind spots because it creates more drama. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a... That's usually some sort of fun, interactive thing. Yeah. Although better than Twilight. Because I... We don't need to bring that up. Well, it's sort of relevant because What's-His-Face can't read What's-Her-Face's thoughts. And that's why she's so intriguing to him. That's so gross. Like... Twilight. <laughs> they did have some good Muse songs. Oh, I didn't notice the soundtrack, and I, I think I only saw the first movie. I read all the books. Oh, yeah. I only saw bits and pieces because they were always on cable. Yeah, always. I think they probably still are. Oh, for sure. Like they, the licensing for those movies to play on cable has to be super cheap right now. No. Um. Anyway, back to the story. Back to the exposition that Dr. Buchanan is providing. He's a microbiologist. He works for SI. He's working on a virus. And I don't know the background of Jamie and the legacy virus. No, I don't either. I think we need to get an expert in to ask. (laughs) Because when... Where's Chad when you need him? Chad? Chad, come back. (laughs) Dayspring, are you out there? Flink, anyone? When Dr. Buchanan says he was creating a virus to target and kill mutants... Yeah. Immediately, Jamie goes to the legacy virus and, like, just goes off. Yeah. Because somehow he died from the legacy virus, but he's here, and Krakoa was not a thing at, yeah, at, at so this point. Yeah, so I don't know how he is alive. I don't know. Like, how do you... Yeah. Of all the things that have killed off mutants, how is this one reversed? Yeah. I'm going to need to consult, like... Some sort of Marvel wiki entry. Yes. And so the internal monologue that goes is like, this guy's clearly not inhuman, so I guess the inhumans were involved? I, sure, sure. Because now there's something funny about the Terrigen Mist right. reacting well to mutants. Yes, and, I know that. Um, so we'll the doc- figure it out. Yeah. yeah. So the so, doctor's clearly not inhuman. He's like trying to calm himself down. Yes. It hasn't been released yet because he's here, so we need to get more out of him yep. before we go off half-cocked. And so he says, like, yeah, I smuggled all this information out. I have CD-ROMs. <laughs> oh. Which, to be fair, like, I remember needing a CD burner, needing, in air quotes, a CD burner so I can make my mix CDs. And leave them in people's cars. And I even backed, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I even backed up all my Battlestar Galactica episodes oh. from iTunes, which would only fit like three episodes per disc. Yeah. So there, was, there were a lot. Yeah, kids these days, they don't know the pain of CDs <laughs> that would only hold, and like 20 songs, like you could not fit. That much. Like... 22 if they were short, and then, like, much less if they were lengthy classical songs. Yeah, and you would load them into the program, and it would tell you, like, there'd be a bar that would fill up as you're dropping the songs into the CD, telling you, okay, you have this much space left, and then you had to make some tough decisions sometimes. Oh, that's nice. It gave you the bar. Mine was just like, this is clearly too big. You must act something. Oh, and no. And like, it just threw me straight into the gauntlet of... This is why we would buy like spindles of 100 writable CDs. And it, because we didn't have the money for rewritable. That's not happening. I I'm now... just going to have to buy the CDR and not the CDRW. <laughs> and now, what do we do with them? They're just sitting... Yeah. In the back of a buffet <laughs> drawer, yep, if my, you're me. Mine are all in my album, somewhere in my backseat, under some trash. Because I just, I hook up my phone. Yeah. Yeah. And now then, yeah, or in a bin that the buns like to jump on yeah. as a stepping stone onto a shelf that they should clearly not be on. Yeah. And they get pissed at you when you lift them off. Well, Nora likes to explore. She does. And get down on her own terms. Yes. She does not need help. She's an independent lady. So, Jamie's having a moment, and... They find out all this stuff, like the the CD-ROMs and everything. (laughs) They're in a safe deposit box at a bank. And since Guido is there, and he also has, like, a moment of saving the doctor, Guido's the one tasked with escorting him to the bank to retrieve it from a safe deposit box, and Jamie just needs a moment to himself. Yes. Cut There's scene. a lot a lot has happened to Jamie. Like he is 
obviously like knee deep in shit in his personal life trying to figure out everything and then sort of this bring back this all the, trigger all the yes yeah. the feelings he has about having died from this virus yes and then now there's someone trying to recreate it yes so we come to a member of the team that we haven't seen this issue yet yeah it's richter in his pageboy haircut oh but the cool sweater at least and he's in Quicksilver's office, who suddenly is in a medical center. Right, that's the weird thing. How I thought he was in like some rundown strip mall. Yeah, how is he in an actual medical center? I don't know. He's giving off all the super weird vibes. Yeah, he is. Quicksilver is obviously a little unbalanced. Yes, delusional maybe the word. Yeah, yeah, yes, and so. I was trying to be polite to this asshole of a character who doesn't deserve it. <laughs> so Richter, he's there, but he's not. Re- he says he's not really sure why he's there, but we know. Because Quicksilver has this ability to give people back their powers, even if it comes out all twisted and wrong. And so we get a little bit more background and, like, we get a window into Quicksilver's mind, which is... All sorts of problematic. Um, Richter calls him out on how the powers all go wrong. And Quicksilver's like, no, the process isn't screwed up, Richter. It's the people. You clearly don't understand what's happening. No. Like, I cannot be flawed in what I have done. It is clearly, obviously, must be the fall to the people whose powers go off. And, like, that poor dude who can't land. Yeah. The The one who melted. Yeah. I mean, which came first? Do you melt or do you just, like, drift off into the upper Uh, atmosphere? Yeah. So. Yeah. It's because they didn't believe enough? Like... It's funky. And we... I had the same feeling as Richter when Richter's like, this ought to be good. Yeah. Of this explanation. And Quicksilver positively pontificates. Yeah, he is monologuing... As any, any good villain. Yes. And how mutants were these great, beautiful, powerful, pure creatures. And then there were too many of them. <laughs> and it somehow got diluted? Yeah. And This is some master race bullshit. Mm. And the point of M-Day and Quicksilver's role in it was to somehow whittle away all those extras. Yes. To only the ones who were deserving of their power. And he ends with, as a question you must ask yourself is not, what will go wrong? It should be, will I be judged deserving? Which, oh, problematic. So problematic on so many levels. Yeah. Silver is clearly such a dick. Yeah, he is. And he just points at Richter and says, you tell me. And Richter just gives him a look. Yes. And that's where we're left with that. So what? It's uh, Will Richter. Won't Richter. Yeah. I I mean, he... The way that Quicksilver described his powers, though, is not how Richter describes his own powers. Quicksilver is like, oh, you... you I can give you back the power to move the Earth, but Richter is all about... For feeling. it to tremble beneath your hand, which is very intentional language of... You are this mighty god, and yeah. like at your very gesture, the earth will move. Yeah, and that's as you say, like that's not how Richter described his powers at the beginning. Yeah, it was a deep connection between him and the earth, mm-hmm. and it was like more of a beautiful relationship rather than a imperial. Yeah, like he could god-like. feel what the rain felt like when it fell on the ground. The slight shifting of tectonic plates, like. That, I don't know, it's more like an intimate connection relationship situation that was happening. Like, but on like a pure holy, like all things green and holy situation. Mm -hmm. um, Rather than this sort of abuse of power. Yeah. So, I mean, the abuse of power thing sort of jives with Mm -hmm. the whole Quicksilver Magneto. Yeah. Like, vibe that they were giving off, especially at this time. And Magneto's constant villainy. Yes. Um, fun thing so as we turn the page physically for the first time in one of these books the letters page is coming before 
The end. The end, yeah. Which we're not used to. They reordered it in the digital editions. Yes, they did. I was very surprised when I flipped and I got it. So we'll come back to this page because there's some good stuff here. Yeah, we'll probably always cover the letters page after the stories. They're fun. Yeah. So uh, Guido is driving... A Hummer. A Hummer, yeah. I'm so disappointed in you, Guido. Yeah. Although maybe it's because he fits in it. I don't know. Yeah. Well, that does come up. Oh. Um, you know, he says as comfortable as like the doctor is saying as comfortable as I can be uh, in a Hummer. Okay, I thought Guido was saying that. Um, what a gas guzzler! Yeah, Doctor Buchanan and Guido are off to the bank. Guido gets a phone call. Yeah, and the doctor's like, "You really shouldn't be driving while talking on a cell phone." There's a law. Which I get. I feel like this was around the time that the cell phone use laws yeah. while driving were coming into existence. They were. Because it, we were acting a fool for a few years as a society. Yes. I mean, and that was before. Do. That was before smartphones even. Like, can you imagine? Oh, trying to text as you like have to punch each number the appropriate number of times yeah. to get to the letter. Or yeah. like figuring out T9. The, that T9. Yeah. Get that sorted out. Oh. That was a revelation, to be oh, fair. Yes. Um, that was when texts were like, I had to pay per text on my plan. Like I didn't have free texting. It was like five cents a text. Oh, that's right. And if someone responded with K, I swear you just wasted a 20th of a dollar for that letter. (laughs) Also known as a nickel. Yes. Um, yeah, I forgot about that fact, because when I got a cell phone, I didn't get one until junior year of college, mm. which was the year after this came out, because living off campus, I didn't have a campus phone anymore, so I didn't couldn't use my phone cards. Oh, yeah. Remember I the had, days of phone cards? I had so many phone cards in As, college. Especially, like, I was living two time zones away. Yeah. But the perk of the cell, my parents getting the cell phone and shipping it to me was that it was a local number for my grandma to call. Oh, that's nice. So if she was having a bad memory day and my folks are trying to leave, mm. they would call me. I can say that I was her favorite. <laughs> so it was, we would be having a nice conversation so other folks could leave and then we could transition yeah. right to the next stage of her evening. Mm. Um. So Guido, talking on the phone while driving. So, dear listener, thank you for Mm -hmm. sticking with us through our our sides. So uh, he basically is like, yep, yep, I understand. And he reaches over and there's a crunch as he snaps Dr. Buchanan's neck. It almost, like, my first impression, he's... Well, he was stabbing the phone into Dr. Buchanan, but then he's still talking on his phone afterwards. Right? Yeah, it's unclear. So it's like a punch to the chest, I think. Oh. Or the throat. Yeah. Some sensitive area that, like, it's not a great death for Dr. Buchanan. No. And it's Guido. And it was such a betrayal. I was having so many feelings when I read this. Yeah. It's like, how can this possibly be? Yeah. And we get... Trip Senior, we know because it's a full goatee and not yeah. just a soul patch. Um, he's on he, the other end of the line. And he's calling Guido Mr. C. Yep. He is the Mr. C that was referenced at the very beginning of the issue. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Guido was an asset of singularity investigations. Yes. And still is. Yeah. As of the end of this issue, he's still an asset. What side is he on? Because this is the end of the issue. Yeah. The letters page. The letters page. We get someone who wants Danny Moonstar to come in. Yeah. And Peter David's like, "Uh, we have enough people here that we need to give attention to. We have a full cast. There's no room at the inn. Yeah. And, I mean, to be fair, the person writing in was all about the relationship between Rain and Danny. Yeah. And so... Which is important from the New Mutants back in the day. Yes, and we do love character development and interpersonal relationships between characters. So, like, I get it why this person would be a fan of that. Yeah. Um, someone who was not a fan of the first X Factor, but is very into this one. And Peter, like, they went off, this person, of all their feelings. Um, so Peter David at least was nice about, like, you were going to love the next issue. Yeah. 
or three issues down the line. Uh, or he references uh, issue 13, I think. Yes. That is, we're on issue 10. We are on 10. So, and he kicks off the letters column saying that this book has been nominated for an award. And it's hilarious. How did he find out about it? DC Comics sent him a thing saying, please vote for DC Comics. Yes. <laughs> like, here's your ballot. Please vote for everything DC. And he's like, ah, not going to happen. <laughs> I loved that. Um, someone writing in being like, oh, you're basing this off of Angel, right? Like you said Which I don't think something seen... something. Yeah, like... And he's like, I did not actually say season that. Season three of Angel. Yes, with some I, files and records person. I haven't gotten to that season in Angel. Oh, what's her face? Um, somewhere in season two. Amy Acker's character. Fred. Oh. I feel like is who they're referencing. and But there's really not a great comparison between Layla Miller and Fred. Oh. Um, and he's like... No, it's not really connected to Angel at all. Like, closest we get is Radar from MASH. It's like a mashup. Like, Layla Miller, what are the other aspects? Uh, Nostradamus reincarnated as Wednesday Adams, although I admit some of her styles influenced by Radar O'Reilly from MASH. Okay. And she was serious about marrying Jamie. Yeah. Like, that was in in the grand plan for X-Factor. Yeah, and that's still somewhere in our future. And it's such a mystery. Like, there's got to be some sort of time-hopping happening. There has to be. I mean, I know what happens, but I'm not going to spoil it for you. Oh, good. I mean, and in Legendary, the special sidekick for Layla Miller is an adult. Yes. Not this tweeny version. And we've seen grown-up Layla Miller most recently in X-Corp. Yeah. Yeah, just a few months back. I liked X-Corp. I think you're one of the only ones. I know. And it it, was still fun. And it's sad because it had a lot of these characters. Like, Layla was there. Multiple Man was there. M was there. Yep. I mean, M was there punching Nazis. What's not to love? Yeah. And we know that Peter David from the ads in current comics is back at Marvel right now. And writing at least two different series. Yes. Genus Bell and... Some Fantastic Four that yes. involves Wolverine. Why does... Mm, I'm be- still having feelings about why everything has to involve because Wolverine. Because of course Wolverine has to be in another damn title. And is it is Storm in the same boat? No. Between with the recent stuff? Like, she keeps appearing in different things. But she... Uh, Maybe it's just a victim of how the continuity is so messed up with the current titles. Yeah. Where, like, the things are not happening in the proper order. And, like, she is showing up in different titles because of her position. So, like, she's the regent of the soul system. Right. So, she she's a power player. Wolverine's not. Wolverine is just a team member. And he's constantly getting messed up by magnetized floors. Yeah. All I, the time. All the time. Anyway. Anyway. Anything else on this letters page? uh, Someone else is having a lot of feelings. Like, there's three paragraphs to this letter. And they... Peter David even says that they edit this for length, but not the spirit of what the person is writing. So sometimes they need to chop up letters that they get to... But the spirit of what the sentiments are remain the same. And... He even starts off his reply, I'm not really sure where to start, Andrew, except to say a year from now. (laughs) Like... Yeah, it was just a lot. Yeah. Even for Peter David. And that's the issue. Yeah. Really fun. Like, uh, it started off in a weird place way back in time. Then we got interpersonal drama. There's a lot to love. Like, I love a good origin story. Yeah. I appreciate the soap opera drama. Yep. I appreciate the hunky Madrox. And the sudden twists and turns. Yeah, Guido. There's a lot. Yeah. And as always, like, it does a good job of balancing the a lot with some fun comedic relief. Yeah. So it's not and, entirely heavy. And pushing certain things forward. We got, what was it, like three pages of Quicksilver? Three yeah. or four? And that's it. With an evil monologue. Yeah. It was basically like, oh, we're going to check in on this storyline, but it's not the entire focus. It's doing a good job of balancing. Like, of all, of everyone on the team... 
only one person didn't get a whole lot of dialogue, which was Rain. Yes. But she's gotten some fairly recently, I think, especially with the Layla stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. Like, she and Layla both, like, made brief appearances, but, like, the best comic timing, like, comedic effect, they were well utilized. Yes. On that front. I love a good running gag. Yeah. Um, so... One, the last thought that I had about this issue with the origin story of Trip, whichever version of Trip. Yeah. And the origin story is that in the Madrox miniseries, we get the seed planted that Madrox is more than just a mutant. Yes. And it's referenced in, with that other person who has a similar power set, it's referenced in X Factor with the dialogue that he was having with Trip of like, you don't really know who, what you are, do you? Mm hmm. Um, and I feel like this is also pushing that forward a little bit, not as overtly, but it's still like there's something more to these people in charge of SI. So yeah, I like that continuity. Yeah. And this is part one of three. Yep. So uh, we're going to see what happens with Guido in our next episode. Yeah. And maybe more the love triangle. Yes. We can only hope. All right. So, as always, check us out on Instagram. We are at X Factor Files Podcast. Hit us up. Let us know what you think about the issues we're going through. Stay tuned for the special days of the week posts. Yes. So, Magazine Monday, Tuesday, and then the randomness that follows. Yes. All right, everyone. So, uh, stay safe out there, and we will catch you next time. Bye.